Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, January 12th edition of the Basement Academy. Our morning psalm uh, is written by one of the sons of Korah. They were the worship leaders, and the psalm reflects that, talking about a, a downcast soul, a, 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 a heart that is disturbed. For some reason, they're separated from the sanctuary used to be able to lead the people of God, now not able to do that. And I think it's a parallel for those of us that are experiencing some of the COVID isolation and, and separation and distancing. I think parts of the psalm will sound a little familiar to you. So let's offer this uh, together as a prayer. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. May those of us who are feeling that longing to be connected in community and offer our praises in the, the, the gathered uh, sanctuary, but can't do that now, may, may, maybe this is a psalm that, uh, that will be for each of us. Okay, let's turn back to Cultivating the Character of Christ. Uh, new series, we're a couple days in, talking about the purposes of God. What is God's purpose for our lives? A lot of different ways to talk about that, but Scripture indicates in Romans 8 that his intent, his purpose, he works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. His purpose is that we be conformed to the likeness of his Son. We talked yesterday a little bit about conformity is something that in our society we kind of push away. We don't uh, appreciate that. And so I was talking yesterday about the malleable nature of the human personality, the, the human family. We are easily influenced. Um, uh, I want to clean up one thing. I did a little bit of digging uh, talking about uh, Super Bowl advertisers and what they're going to be paying this year. It's going to be carried on NBC and uh, just Googled a little report, $6.5 million advertisers will pay for a 30-second spot to NBC. 
So that's six and a half million dollars for 30 seconds. But television doesn't influence. You know, don't, 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 don't believe any of that stuff. Television doesn't influence uh, people's behavior at all. But we're going to pay six and a half million dollars for 30 seconds. Never And forget about all the money that, that, that is spent to produce the advertisement, right? <laughs> millions and millions of dollars for 30 seconds because the advertisers know we are malleable. We can be influenced. I want to go a little, uh, a little deeper. I want to take the next step and talk about as we are formed of the dust of the earth, right? <laughs> Mixed with water, we are clay. God is the potter, our bodies. And so he forms Adam out of the dust of the earth, breathes into him a living being. And so we are physical beings with also spiritual interior lives want to go a step further and talk about the patterned nature of our lives. We tend to overlook and ignore the patterns, the habits, the routines that mark our lives, all of our lives. Tying your shoes. Just try to tie them a little differently next time, okay? Maybe, maybe try it right now. Bend down while you're listening to this and untie your shoes and then try to tie them differently. Because there's a lot of different ways to tie your shoes, right? You know, left hand does this, right hand does this, loop, over, through, pull, boom, done. You would struggle to tie your shoes differently or hold the pencil differently or make, instead of, I tend to make a seven, you know, from the top to the bottom, I do a four, there's a boom, boom, and down. But there are people who do their numbers differently. I look at that and go, how could you do that? I try it sometimes and I can't do it. Um, please and thank you and you're welcome. Common courtesies are often habits. And we notice them when people don't express the habit. If we've grown up in a household with certain manners, right? Uh, picking up after ourselves, cleaning our room, uh, washing the dishes, how we keep the bathroom tidy or not. These are all patterns and habits, you know, you just, and then there's, there's habits of heart and mind and uh, emotion. If you're one who tends to be tidy and you come in and you've left a room tidy, let's say, and you come in after being out doing some chores and come in and notice that it's no longer tidy, you have an emotional reaction to that. Now it could be very strong. Hey, what's going on around here? Or just like, why doesn't anybody pick up after themselves? But if you're a tidy person, you know that thing. Likewise, if you're one who's maybe a little more free with how you keep your living spaces and you come in and you notice that somebody has come in and picked up, you have an emotional reaction also. Hey, who's been in my stuff? What's going on around here? And so not only are there physical habits and patterns with our bodies, but there are emotional habits and patterns. Eye rolls. Um, I have this thing, I'm driving down the road, going the speed limit. I can see a police car and my heart rate will get up. Why? Well, because there's times when I'm not driving the speed limit and I have been pulled over <laughs> and I didn't like that. Okay. So there's a, but just physically seeing with my eyes, the police car, I have almost an involuntary emotional physical reaction to that heart rate up and some anxiety. Habits of 
dealing with conflict or confrontation or disagreement. Some of us grew up in homes where you weren't allowed to disagree. Some of us grew up in homes where we could just, you know, you just throw it down and you marry across, you know, you marry a person who's a conflict avoider or a conflict seeker <laughs> or is comfortable with it. And, and there's often a lot of tension there, okay? But for conflict avoiders, uh, you know, confrontation avoiders, you, you have an emotional reaction. It's patterned. You, you hear the raised tone of voice. You, you know, you feel a little something. You, you get out as soon as you can. You kind of don't engage, get out. And then often there's a, you're not going to believe what they did this time. And so we have habits of talking about other people or recounting what happened. And so I would offer to you that much of our lives is patterned, our habits formed before we remember in many cases or formed over time in our childhood, youth, and then reinforced uh, over time. Uh, Sometimes we talk about that as muscle memory, right? Athletes talk about muscle memory. And I would offer that that we have habitual and patterned ways of responding to challenge and opportunity and disappointment and love. Some of us, when, when love is expressed towards us, uh, you know, there's, there's, we have even responses to that, that, that I, I just kind of feel like they're smothering me, you know, they could just let me be, right? And so all of this, we tend to overlook and ignore. That's all because of we're malleable. We are dust of the earth. And so we are formed and then we have been forming patterns and habits, responses over time. And what I want to do is lift that to our awareness. Now, the biblical theological term to talk about this is the flesh. Okay. It's a phrase in the original Greek, uh, sarx, S-A-R-X is how we would translate it. And to live according to the flesh is kata, according to the flesh, kata sarka. And so Paul uh, talks about this a lot of times. I'm going to read a little bit from Romans. There's two sides to this. One, flesh is, okay, the physical aspect of our lives that carries our spirits, right? So we're joined as body and spirit, okay? Body, mind, spirit, heart, soul, all that is joined together with structural integrity in what we call our bodies, our flesh, is the medium through which we experience and express life. So I hold my pencil with my hand. I take a fork. I hold my fork a certain way. I was taught to hold it a certain way. I put the food into my mouth. I chew with my mouth open or not. So all of that, just the habits, the patterns, the activities, the way we engage life. We experience life through the flesh, a beautiful sunset I see with my eyes and that it impresses my heart, and I have emotion in response to that. Not always, but sometimes. You know, sometimes we'll just stare at the sunrise or the sunset and just, you know, gaze at that beauty. And sometimes we're just driving down the road, not thinking about the sunrise because I'm late to an early morning meeting and I'm feeling anxious about being late because of patterned things that happened in my life. I got scolded for being late maybe when I was growing up. And so all of this, the flesh, our physical bodies, and then everything, the interior part of us, 
the, the, the medium through which we experience and express our lives. But the Bible uses flesh also in this notion of a principle that is at work in our lives, the principle of autonomy from God. Remember, autonomy means self-law, law unto oneself. Remember when Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they took unto themselves the prerogative to be the ones who determined good and evil. I will know, I will determine good and evil for myself. Well, all of a sudden now, Adam and Eve are themselves at odds with each other because, well, you know, it was the woman you gave me, God, kind of she's to blame. Yeah, I did it, but, you know, and so Adam determines to kind of blame Eve and blame God. And, you know, and I'm kind of an innocent victim here. And so that all of us do that. So flesh, biblically, theologically speaking, is the principle of autonomy from God that governs our thoughts and actions and motives and attitudes, all of this. There is something, there is a principle at work within us that then expresses itself through the medium of the flesh. And that's why it's called the flesh. And so the psalmist can talk about my flesh and my heart may fail. He's talking, you know, just I physically am in decline. My body, my flesh, my flesh and my heart may fail. But Paul talks about those who live according to the flesh. A principle of autonomy. They, there's something at work within an operating system. If we could use that, it's probably not the best analogy, but like the operating system of a, of a computer. So there's an operating system within us that drives and motivates much of our behavior, if not all of our behavior at first. I am oriented towards self. That's why the child they get their piece of pie and they're happy and they're starting to eat and then another piece of pie is cut for their sibling and they think that that piece of pie is bigger and they say, not fair. That's the flesh. That child is now living according to the flesh. They have their needs met. They are happily eating and then they notice something and they determine that that is wrong. I have been wronged and the child burst out in anger with tears. Not fair. They've got more than me, mommy. So the children do this in their own way. Well, we adults become more sophisticated in the manner in which we express our not fair, our outrage, our flesh. Okay. And so habits and patterns set up that are oriented around serving one's self, serving one's own interests, which is why the scripture says, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus starts with the operating uh, assumption that we all love ourselves. We all place ourselves at first. And so you have to learn how to then place a priority on others. And that's the challenge. How we cultivate the character of Christ is retraining our flesh, right? And so that's that's part of it. So let me read a, a couple uh, passages. I gave myself the, the references here. Romans chapter 6, um, Beginning verse 12, therefore, Paul says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Okay, so he's now talking about your physical body. 
so that you obey its evil desires. Again, that thing that's within you. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. And so Paul is speaking very, use the body God gave you, this physical mortal body, use the flesh that you are, for good purposes. Do not pay attention to that thing within, okay? Well, then in chapter 7, he talks about that thing within, okay? So in Romans 7, I'm going to pick up in verse 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So again, God's law is saying, hey, don't do that. Okay, so I'm agreeing with it. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. As Christians, we become aware of this kind of battle between flesh and spirit, between the principle of, of, of self that wants to be autonomous, and then there's something else that wants to obey God, okay? And so Paul's talking about that. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. That's the way this version, that is in my flesh. That's the word there. So that's Romans 7, uh, 18. For I have, so I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. He goes on and says, what a wretched man I am. And so this is the challenge. And maybe you've never thought about it. Maybe you're not familiar with Romans chapters 6 and 7. We might know Romans 8, right? God works all things for the good of those. You know, we love that verse, but it's in the context of a larger argument that Paul is making that now that you've come to know Jesus Christ, you are set free from that law of sin and death. You do not have to live according to the flesh. And so... I was going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 also. It's a great verse. So Paul um, Paul uh, says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one, that is Jesus, died for all and therefore all died. So there's something that happens in Christ's death. He's dying a representative death for us all. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So no longer live for yourself, but now live for Christ. Verse 16, here's the key. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly or fleshly point of view. It says worldly here, but katasarka. We regard no one according to the flesh. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Paul used to understand Jesus 
katasarka, according to the flesh. Jesus represented some kind of threat to Paul. And so Paul, operating out of his sinful nature, was going to persecute those Christians, those followers of Jesus, until his eyes were opened and he realized. And now he, and now Paul, following Christ, still struggles with this thing within because lives are patterned and habitual. Have you tried to change some habits? <laughs> are you engaging in any New Year's resolutions? That's the thing. People resolve in the new year to behave differently, to, to think differently, to act differently. I'm going to improve my life. And everybody says, well, you know, don't, don't worry about it because you're going to fail and you might as well just not even try. Why are New Year's resolutions so hard to accomplish? Because of the flesh. <laughs> we're patterned. We're habits. And so what I want to do kind of for the balance of this week, kind of thinking about this, is learning how to see and admit how much of our lives are comprised of habits and patterns and routines, some of which thankfully are godly and righteous and, and, and helpful, but frankly, many of them are not. And so I have no intent to have anybody feel beaten down by all of this. In fact, Romans 8 is so critical right after Paul cries out, wretched man that I am, I've got this war going on within me. The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I end up doing. Ah! So he ends chapter 7 there. <laughs> and then in chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation. There Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you trust in him. He is your savior. You believe his death was the sufficient atonement. You're trusting in him to, for forgiveness and a second chance. There's no condemnation. If there's an awareness that comes out of today's study and in coming days as we wrestle through that, that's good. Where we acknowledge, I would love to change this part of my life. That's the process of being conformed into the likeness of the Son. And we want to talk for some time. There's a long process around this. And so, but today is get you thinking about tying your shoes, holding your pencil, and rolling your eyes. Notice those things. How how quickly you respond emotionally to certain things that happen or the way you do uh, your activities today. So hopefully this is helpful. We'll pick up again tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that there is now no condemnation because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and the, the gracious Holy Spirit poured into our lives. We who believe we are no longer condemned. We are free. And in that freedom, Lord, help us to live more into the purpose you have for our lives, which is to be conformed into the likeness of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God be gracious to you and bless you and make his face to shine upon you through Christ our Lord this day and forevermore. Amen.